This morning, I pray this word will be a help and an encouragement to us as we approach and uh, the table of God to commune with him this morning. But before we dive into this passage to look at what's the heart of this passage, I just I don't want us to miss as a church family some evangelism reminders here as, as we begin. Just going down to verse 20. There, there are 12 disciples at this point. These people who are Greeks could have picked any of the 12, and yet we get this reminder here that they've picked Philip. Now, it doesn't say why they did that, but the thought is because of his Greek name, maybe that's why. Just because of that little simple connection, these people say, you, you can get us to Jesus. We choose you, which should get us thinking, what, what could it be? Could it be that simple that something just like a, a, a hobby, something, something like an interest, something like your, your background, or could it even be your hurts, your pain, or your past, that you let God have whatever it is that would draw people to you so that you could draw them to Jesus. There's a great, I think, evangelism reminder here in Philip's life. You just use what you got. What is it you have that might that you might be the contact person so that you might be able to get somebody to Jesus? And it's not just Philip. Go down to verse 22. It's it's Andrew as well. And and you see Andrew, and listen, that's so many things about all the disciples. We did that study years ago, Wednesday nights. Tell us, I mean, they, they were so faithful. But you grab Peter, right? You grab the loud one that everybody knows. You grab John. Why Andrew? Why does Philip go to Andrew? Why doesn't Philip just take these people to Jesus himself? Because Andrew's in the business. He's in the practice of getting people to Jesus. Go back to John chapter 1. Andrew goes and gets his brother. This is the one. This is the one. Jesus is the one. Come on. Andrew, you watch his life. He is. Listen, all of us need to be evangelists. All of us need to hide God's word in our hearts so we can give a defense for what we believe. But one of the great tools, especially in this culture, is just to be somebody who brings somebody to make that invite, to take that first step, to break the ice and say, I've met him. Let me take you to him. Let me tell you about him. I've got a growth group. I've got a Bible study. I've been reading this daily Bible reading, and this is what's gotten me through. Would you come to church and lunch with me? Whatever that is, you see it in Andrew's life. This, Philip goes to the one who gets people uh, to Jesus. Would you help me get these Greeks uh, to Jesus? So maybe that's a word for you. Maybe that's a, a word we need to hear. What in my life? What's the everyday stuff that I have that I might discount, but it could be a, a way to connect with friends, relatives, extended family, coworkers. That could be in and let Jesus use it, but also am I always ready to be the one called upon to bring people to Jesus. I hope we're going to talk about that more at the end of this month, uh, but, but let's get back to what is the main thing here, the heart of this passage, what draws us into worship, what brings us to this table uh, this morning, and it's because it's the hour. Jesus has talked about that throughout this gospel. It's not the hour in, in, in John chapter 2, 
And when Mary asked Jesus for this favor at the wedding, it's not my hour. You get then to chapter 730, it's not my hour yet. But here, and then I believe verse 2 in the next chapter, the hour has come. And it's the hour when the Son of Man is to be lifted up. This, this, this moment when he's to be lifted up and glorified. As a matter of fact, we're going to move into what scholars say is the book of glory. That he's going to be glorified. But it means a cross. He's going to be glorified. You keep reading here. Keep going in John. The devil is defeated. He is being cast out. The son of man, this allusion to, to Daniel, this one who will come in and rule over all, is about to be lifted up. But he's also about to be lifted up. He's about to be placed on the cross. Chapter 3, Nicodemus. I'm going to be lifted up. Chapter 8, to the crowds, the Son of Man will be lifted up. And chapter 12, verse 32, it's about to happen again. This is his hour. That's why he came. And we glory in him uh, this morning for that. But there's this reminder here about encouragement. There's this reminder here about assurance I don't want him to miss as well, especially as we share in this word, but also as we share in this meal. Now listen, a quick reading of this, and you might think, okay, this is God speaking into Jesus's life again, but, but the text will, will push back on that. The text will remind you that, that even though God is so good to speak into Jesus' life with encouragement and affirmation, that this word's not for Jesus. And maybe Jesus doesn't need a word at this point because he's living in the overflow of his life with God. That's why we worship. It's partly why we worship and pray, read our Bibles, is that when the dry seasons come, when the hard seasons come, we're living in the overflow of what, of what we have in Christ Jesus. But God, and by the way, too, just at the moment when Jesus needs, and he's so good to do this for you and for me, at the moment when Jesus needed it, before, before anything, at his baptism, this is my son. This audible word, visual word too is the dove, but this audible word just before, what's next by the way? What's next right after his baptism? It's the showdown with the devil in the wilderness. And it's just like God to speak a word right here because I know it's coming. And then when Jesus is transfigured on the mountain again, it's just like God to speak into his son's life. This is my son. Listen to him. What's next? He's, he's setting his face to Jerusalem and that long march to go die for us. And it's just like the father to speak a word uh, into his life. And I'll be honest. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. How many of you forgot that there was a third audible word from God in the scriptures? Don't show your hands but I'm going to read your faces. We remember the baptism. We remember the transfiguration, but somehow John, John 12 kind of gets lost. And maybe because it isn't directly to uh, Jesus, it says here, this was for uh, them. But certainly Jesus needs some kind of word because in John's gospel, we don't get the Garden of Gethsemane. Instead, we get this moment. We get this moment when he's talking again about uh, being lifted up 
and his death, but it goes deeper than that. Let's remember where we are in this gospel. You basically get one more paragraph, and then it's the upper room, and then Jesus is arrested, and then he dies. That's where we are. We're right up against the arrest and the cross. And what does he say here? I'm about to be lifted up, but verse 27, he says, I am troubled. This is the same root word that we find in the psalm, Psalm 6-3. My bones are troubled. My soul is troubled. In Psalm 42-11, we love to sing that praise chorus and say to God that I thirst to you. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longeth for you, right? We sing that in some kind of joyous chorus, and we should, but we forget the next verse. I've been eating my tears day and night. And then you drop down to verse 11. I am troubled. And that's, that's kind of the root word of what we find here with Jesus. The Father's going to glorify me, but I'm going to be lifted up. And he was struggling. He was troubled. And the Father had spoken so often into his life but I love in verse 29 this, this reminder that Jesus says to them, this is not a, a word for me, it's a word for you. It's just so like God, the Father, it's just so like Jesus the Son to say this word isn't really for me, it's for you and they can't even hear it. They can't even get it. The prophets had not spoken for centuries I doubt he'll even say a word. I bet he won't speak into my life. Have you been there? Your Bible reading, in your prayer life, as you're walking around, do you believe that the Spirit will lead you, as Paul testifies to the church in Rome, chapter 8, that he will? Had they discounted that God could ever speak Again, they had gotten to the point that they believed God wouldn't speak audibly, but they kind of had this, if you read the rabbis of that time, he could maybe echo. There could be an echo that you might hear. The thunder, it's an angel, but we write it off. We can't know what he says, but here is God trying to speak into their life to encourage them and to say what's shared here. It's a good word, and it's just like God, even when Jesus is troubled, to speak a word of assurance, a word of, an, of encouragement. This word that, yes, as we just heard sung, we come repentant for the sins we've committed. We come, we come before God acknowledging those things. But we also come hearing the welcome of God. That if we'll rightly approach him, the word is welcome. And this table says welcome. And he wants to assure you, if you've rightly come to him, brokenhearted, he'll meet you here and say a word. It's just like him. You just go home and read 1 John over and over again. I write these things that you can know that you're saved. I want you to know that you know that you know. That's the goodness of God in a moment where Jesus needs a word. His enemies are circling. The disciples, again, are not, not fully understanding. He's talked about his death three times. They don't get it. His arrest is imminent. But this word isn't for me, but I love this picture, and I hadn't, I hadn't seen it before. I love, I love the picture we get of other people in this chapter. 
and how we get to be as well. Ultimately, it's in Christ. It's in what he's gifted us in his cross and resurrection. But, but I love how we get to be the encouragement of God to others. Where does he just come from? Go back to the beginning of chapter 12. I don't need this word. You know why? Mary has anointed me. I'm ready. I've been going to Bethany every night of Holy Week. I'm not staying in my holy city. I'm going because I need people who will love me and care for me. And you go back to the very beginning of chapter 12, and it's, it's Mary. You go back earlier in this chapter, and it's the crowds who have said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of of the Lord, the blessings of others, the encouragement and assurance of others. I shared with you last week, I went back to uh, Pennsylvania uh, two weeks ago and got to see a lot of family and a lot of friends. And the Lord opened up opportunities in front of all my friends. We're at a fire pit together, but had the opportunity to talk about the calling uh, in my life to pastor, which was not on my radar. I came to Christ, radically came to Christ right before high school, loved Jesus, was fired up, was present in my youth council, playing in a Christian band, was doing all kinds of things, but never on my radar was I going to be a pastor. I had my, my, I had my life mapped out. I was going to this wonderful school to take this wonderful uh, uh, degree so I could do this wonderful vocation. That's where I was wrapped up in. But it was my calculus teacher who was who was who I thought would have been very pleased with my college choice and my college vocation. It was very math oriented. Who said, Barry, have you thought about ministry? A teacher who said, Have you thought about ministry? And then a few months later, uh, it was another woman at a Christian camp, and I had not met her before, who said, Barry, have you thought about ministry? Having the inward call, but not believing that, that God would want to do that in my life or through my life. But it, these folks on the outside who said, are you, are you, listen to God. I see this in your life. And Jesus at his moment, when again, the enemies are circling and the disciples don't get it, he's got Mary and he's got this crowd. And, and, and who, who do you need to be that for? who desperately needs a word, a word of encouragement in the Lord. And also, like these people who couldn't hear the voice of God, Jesus heard it clearly. They write it off as a thunder. They write it off. Who do you need to be still long enough? Do you need to be in the word long enough? Do you need to be quiet in your prayer time enough to hear from the Lord? Because he's wanting, he's wanting to speak. I don't know how that is for you today, what steps you need to take. This meal points us back to the fact that the Son of Man was lifted, for, lifted up for us. Every time we eat of this bread, drink of this cup, we remember him, his grace, his love, his gift for us. And I pray that's a word of assurance for us today. But may we be filled as we come to this meal so that we'll go. How is it you need to be a Philip and say, God, you use whatever I got. You got it. Use it. Let it draw people to me so I can bring people to you. What, how is it you need to be an Andrew and say, I need, to, I need to, yes, 
be a good influence in my culture, my sphere of influence. But Lord, could you, could you, would you let me help bring people to Jesus, invite people, encourage people? How is it you need to hear this word spoken to you today for your benefit? Will you believe that word, that he'll actually speak to you? But will you also then be, for people who are troubled, will you be the encouragement of God to them? We come to this meal with all those needs, but also those expectations that the Lord will meet us in this place, at this table. Christ invites to this table all who love him, all those who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. We remember as we come to this table... That on the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to God, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Almighty God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen.